You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness, and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Nader discusses the reality of one unbounded ocean of consciousness, an infinite, unbounded, unlimited reality referred to as the silent level of pure being. He describes pure being as pure consciousness, bliss. Consciousness is its nature, and bliss means that it lacks nothing. Maharishi in this generation has brought the knowledge, this perfect knowledge of life and its completeness in a scientific way and has asked it to be checked and analyzed and studied from different perspectives, theoretical as well as practical. That's why we call it science, which is the side that answers the questions of the intellect, of the mind, seeking to understand, and we call it technology, which is the means, the technical, the practice that actually allows us to apply this knowledge for the benefit of our lives as individuals and for society as a whole. And this is very simple on these two aspects, the simple aspect of theory and practice of science and technology. And without going into logics of reasoning, of analysis, of empirical findings and questioning rationale behind it, to simplify and just present the whole picture in a few words, we can say that on the theoretical aspect, and again, without trying to explain, we have universities, we have schools, we have courses, we have teachings from all the scientists and books that explain the logic. But let's go to the simple basis to put it in our awareness. Theory, the science of reality. There is one unbounded ocean of consciousness. When we say ocean, we imagine it's an ocean, but let's say just an infinite, unbounded, unlimited reality, which means it is not limited by space, by time, by anything, by circumstances, by anything, because there is nothing but itself. That's what we call the silent level of pure being. In the Vedic literature, it has descriptions, but the main description that highlights it in a very clear way is Sat Chit Ananda. Sat Chit Ananda is pure consciousness bliss, pure, unmixed, unshaken, uh, undisturbed, just pure being, which is consciousness and which is bliss. So pure, we said, it's just itself. There is nothing else. That's why we call it pure. That means it's just one thing. Consciousness is its nature. 
And bliss means that it lacks nothing. We know that we feel bliss when we are lacking nothing. Then we have everything, that sense of fulfillment. I don't miss anything. I don't need anything. I have everything. I am everything. <laughs> there is nothing to be desired. There is nothing missing. And that is the state of what we call natural bliss bliss, sense of total fulfillment. And so Satchit Ananda describes the reality of this unbounded ocean of being. When we go to the aspect of chit or consciousness, we see that it has a quality, therefore, a quality of consciousness. And therefore, it is conscious. That's why we're calling it consciousness. And to make a long story short, it can be conscious in an infinite number of ways, small ways, big ways, but it looks at all these ways as being part of itself, of course, because there is nothing except itself. And all these ways of being conscious are unmanifest, yet they are there. They are elements within consciousness. It's like, like a play of consciousness. Consciousness reflecting on itself, because to be conscious means to be aware of something. And there is an observer, as we all know, a process of observation and an observed. And how big is the observer? How much is the hiding quality of the chandas value, which is the observed, how much it hides a lot, a little, completely, then there is silence, nothingness. This is also a possibility. And so in that field, all possibilities, as Marshi said, and this is again kind of a commentary of, on what Marshi has so beautifully presented to us in a simple way, and that he has presented over and over again from so many perspectives. And we can't say that that's why he says, listen and listen again and look and look again. <laughs> and we have been saying and we'll say again and let's say it again. And this is really what he's been saying from so many different angles. There is one field. That field is consciousness. That consciousness looks at itself from an infinite number of ways. Now, these ways are the dynamics of consciousness. They can be small ways, big ways, as we said. And this is what we have within the absolute, unbounded ocean of simple being as the dynamics of itself, looking at itself with all this, what the Vedic literature calls lila, which means a play. It's a play. It just plays with itself and sees this different, infinite number of ways it can be conscious. And this is the process, the lila, the play. And that what then remains in this unbounded infinite consciousness is what we call smriti, the memory. The memory, like you have memory in a hard disk on your computer, and it contains all kinds of pictures, all kinds of possibilities, infinite possibilities. And if it's infinite, it really means it includes you and me and every one of us and also all possibilities that maybe we have never thought about ourselves, maybe when we were young, maybe in a different kind of life, maybe 
at the age of 1,000 years old. It's a possibility. Why not? We can imagine it. And all these possibilities are present. And this is beautiful when we hear Marshi say it and then actually stop and emphasize it by saying all possibilities means all possibilities. And it's obvious because it's a field of imagination, if you like. And you can imagine anything like any author can imagine characters, can imagine figures, can create movies with unicorns and, you know, gods and, and things and powers of different kinds, small things, big things. All of these things are potential in that field of pure being. They are unmanifest because pure being knows it's all itself. And that is the field of the unmanifest, pure, sat, chit, ananda, fulfilled and equal to itself all the time. Now, what is it like to be one of those little things? Let's say we want to forget that there is this consciousness, unbounded consciousness, and then put ourselves in the shoes of these smaller aspects of perception. When you do that, you get into what we call manifestation. So manifestation is nothing more than limited perception from limited perspectives of limited aspects of consciousness. So in the lila, it's very fine, it's beautiful. But in order to be truly limited in that sense, you cannot be influenced or manipulated by the other factors. So this is where you have your freedom. So freedom is a necessity for manifestation. There are many discussions now in different philosophical platform and scientific podcasts and all of that about whether there is freedom and people think if there is law, then how can there be freedom? Because every action has a specific exact reaction to it and therefore you cannot have freedom. And this is how you hear many people high and strong and from a platform of assurance saying there cannot be freedom. In fact, in, in our understanding, freedom is there and you can choose. You can choose. You have life. You can choose. You can choose to do this. You can choose to do that. And therefore, is it chaos if you can choose what you like? Obviously not. The question is, you can choose what you like, but we can, you cannot choose the results of what you have selected to do. And the reason is this infinite unbounded ocean of being is always equal to itself. So if you do something, you disturb in some way, there is the opposite that has to balance it. And that is automation in administration. It is not that the absolute is sitting there and having headaches about what we all do every time and every second and trying to figure out why this person did that, why that person did this. The whole thing is absolutely automatic, absolutely fair, absolutely just 
because any other thing would not be fair, would not be just, that things would not be equal for everyone. Now, you can do things on a gross level, you can do things on a subtle level, you can do things on so many layers of so many levels. Now comes the question, why we suffer? Why we have problems? Why we see difficulties? Answer, very simple. We have freedom, and for every action that we do, there is an equal and opposite reaction to maintain the infinite balance of the infinitely silent, yet infinitely dynamic state of pure, infinite bliss. Satchit Ananda is undisturbed itself and its system is automatic. Automation in administration. You can do what you want, but you cannot decide what the results of what you want are. They are computed automatically and they lead to whatever is necessary to maintain that infinite, pure silence. You know, it's like this sound cancelling system. <laughs> How the sound cancelling system, of course, many of us have used it, particularly when you fly or you're in a noisy place. You put this thing on your ears and there is sound outside and it cancels it. How does it cancel it? It cancel it cancels it by creating a sound, believe it or not. But it's a sound that is exactly opposite. So there is a little computer that computes the vibrations of that sound which is from the outside and creates waves of sound that are exactly opposite. And so when there is a sound, let's say a wave going up, you create a wave going down and that cancels it. Well, the absolute does this all the time. On all levels, it is noise cancelling. This is really what happens. So for the individual, choices lead to specific automated reactions. For the collective of consciousness, collective of individuals, creating collective actions, there is a reaction that is automated absolutely automated. Now, when you create something that is negative, since we live in the phenomenon of time and space, things can take time to bring the response back because manifestation, and there are reasons for this, happens within the constraints of space and time. There is a very good logic for why this should be so. And therefore, you have time. You can do something. You can plant a mango seed. Uh, you have to wait to get the mangoes, but you will get mangoes. You're not going to get uh, bananas or apples because this is how nature works. You decided, of course, to put the mango seed in the ground, but it's going to be a mango tree. And now you have to reap the consequences. You can reap the consequences. You go to the mango and you've had too many mangoes and now you actually would like to eat strawberries. 
It's a very different kind of plant, different kind of timing of the year and all of that. And you face the results of your action. You have to face the mango that is there. <laughs> you have no choice. Now, if your consciousness is limited, you can be very sad because you've already eaten too many mangoes and you've waited for this tree to blossom and you thought, I want strawberries right now. And you can be very sad and you say, what to do? I have mangoes. Now, what you can do is, if your consciousness is a little wider, not so limited, you can say maybe somebody needs mangoes. So you take your mangoes to the market and you see if there are strawberries and somebody who wants mangoes, you give them the mangoes and you get the strawberries. So even though there is constraint and an exact action reaction leading from having decided to plant a mango tree and then wanting strawberries, you can still get it. You can get it by being together, by thinking a bit wider. And what makes you think wider is your consciousness, your ability to be conscious. Now, this consciousness operates on many, many levels. It is one thing to be aware of the situation and make a decision with broader comprehension and broader possibilities, like in this case, you're not stuck with the mangoes, you can sell them and, you know, you can buy strawberries and then fine, you have done something which you can modify. So we can modify things on the level of our actions, but action has to also be in tune with natural law, of course, and action is on a gross level. Now, if your awareness is limited and you have forgotten who you are and what you are and what your possibilities are, you're going to act in ways that lead to decisions that are not appropriate. The whole story, the whole manifestation, the whole purpose of evolution, the meaning of our life is very simple. Realize who we are and who are we. There is nothing but that pure Sat-Chit-Ananda. There's absolutely nothing but that. It is looking at itself from this infinite number of ways, and these ways are floating on their own. They have left behind in their memory what they truly are. And this is the biggest mistake. That's the mistake of the intellect. That's, we can say, the cosmic mistake. I was asked by Rani Hamza, <laughs> what's the cosmic mistake during lunch? And that's the cosmic mistake. The cosmic mistake, or the mistake, the only mistake, ultimately, is we forgot who we are. Everything that forgets who they are, that is what we call ignorance. Ignorance in studies, ignorance in relations, ignorance in life is the simple fact of forgetting who we are, forgetting that we are that unbounded ocean of consciousness. 
We forget this on an individual level. We forget this on a social level, on a national level, on an international level. And therefore, we see ourselves as isolated beings, isolated individuals. And when we are isolated and we see ourselves as something so specific, then we are afraid, it's natural, of the other. Because the other is a threat to who we are from this limited perspective. Limited perspective of who we are makes us afraid of whoever is different from us. And that is the big mistake that leads to conflict, that leads to fighting, that leads to fear, that leads to war, and that leads to lack of care and love and connection between us and others, because we see them as others, whereas it's all one unbounded ocean of being, one Satchit Ananda playing in its lila the different roles of you and me and her and him and this flower and that flower, etc., etc. And so what's the solution? This is the whole theory and we can go on, but what's the solution? This is a theory. What's the practical thing? As simple as the theory, go back to yourself. Very simple. You forgot who you are. That's the mistake. That's ignorance. And that's what leads to problems. Now you eliminate the mistake and then there is no problem. You eliminate the mistake by knowing who you are and being then established in who you are, which is the infinite unbounded ocean of being. And as Marshi said, the platform from which you have all possibilities. That is who you are, the field of being. We have a human physiology that is made, as Marshi said, in the image of the Vedas. And that's why he, from time to time, highlights this research and enjoys it. It's because we have all that is needed. We have the basic underlying dynamics and mechanisms of interaction that we call natural law that is expressed in the Veda that is already in our body, even on the surface level of what we see as our body, which we know is a dynamic of consciousness, but that's also another long story. We have already a field of all possibilities within us. Now today, our world faces again a loss of memory. A loss of memory on certain levels, and that is means the practice of this program, Marcy explained it in terms of gravity, of flying, that enlivens in our awareness and in the collective consciousness the memory of who we are, yoga star, then we are established in yoga and that state of being that allows us to act in the best possible way and then enmity disappears, as also in the Yoga Sutras it is said, that 
sanidhau vairatyagaha. In the presence of coherence and harmony, negativity disappears. And that's what we have seen over and over and over again in our scientific experiments. Very simple. Very simple. Every other understanding, in my point of view, and I think in the point of view ultimately of what we believe is truly reality, every other understanding is a dogma. Absolute dogma. I mean, there is absolutely no proof that the ultimate reality is material or even physical. Absolutely. All to the contrary. All to the contrary. Even science itself, looking into its own objective material reality very deeply, discovered a unified field. So every other logic of what ultimate reality is, is actually where the dogma is. The one thing we know is that we are conscious. And that consciousness is with us. And everything else always seems to be changing, which means is never there, really. If it changes all the time, it means it's never there, which means it is a play in consciousness. So again, this is another parenthesis to complete the logic. So the technology that we have is very simple. Just go back to yourself. And it's so simple. It has been brought by Marshi in such a perfect way that we can enjoy it and see its benefits for ourselves and for society. When society loses connectedness with that field in one area or another, in one aspect of life or another, then we come into conflicts. We have seen major transformations in the world, a move unbelievable, you know, many young youngsters don't remember, they haven't even been there during the Cold War and the fear of nuclear Armageddon and all of that. But we lived through that and it seemed unresolvable. And it's Marish's technology that made a difference. It's Marish's technology of consciousness, transcending and the yogic flying and all of these other things that made tremendous, tremendous transformations in, in countries, but it's not enough. We want to make it much more, and that's why we are here. Now, when this pandemic happened, these groups dismantled everywhere, as we know, and then the result is what we see, that people forgot who they are and forgot action from the level of natural law, and they started to resort to old ways and old means of decision-making, of acting, of mongering and fighting each other. And what we need to do is bring the memory back. We have the technology, how to do it on the individual and collective level. And we invite everyone to join us in this 10,000 experiment again that hopefully will be a catalyst for a permanent group this time and that taste of utopia that was exactly 40 years ago uh, when we will be holding this group together that will be 40 years so let's create it 
let's do it together. We invite everyone to come and join and be together and hopefully be a catalyst for a permanent group, which is potentially happening in so many ways, in so many places. It really needs a little push. So let's do that push. Let's do that experiments. And let's again demonstrate one more time to the world how important it is to go back to the self and that reality is different from their dogmatic belief and material, physical reality into the true knowledge of ultimate reality being a field of consciousness, a field of pure being. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.